How we're all doing? That's good. Right, this morning um, I'm going to share a little bit of, um, we're talking about the uneven journey or the, you know, like, I'm talking about my, my journey actually with, with the Word of God, with the Bible. And um, I'm, I'm really trying to say that the Bible's not a book of rules and it's not an instruction manual how much we would like it to be, you know, like we would like to go and have a look there and here is this, I've just got to do this, this, this and this and this and I'm going to turn out a good Christian. Um, and so a little bit of my background, I, I love the Word of God, so I've spent most of my life studying the Word of God and many of those years full-time study um, through Bible colleges doing degrees and masters and all sorts of stuff. Um, and, and, and on holiday, I grab a book to relax, which is a theology book, and you know, that, that's just who I am. And, and so, so I, I really, I really um, love God's Word. Um, but it's a, when you talk about the Word of God, I know it's something that evokes sometimes strong feelings and emotions, and um, people have certain strong set ideas. And, and I'm trying to trying to share my journey and my understanding of it, which has been a lifetime of slow progression um, within 20 minutes. <laughs> and I'm in, I know I'm in danger of offending some people. Um, and, I, and I don't want to do that. And, uh, but, but, so I'll put a disclaimer out. This is my own personal journey. This is not vineyard theology, okay? <laughs> that, that's just to hope so Lyndon doesn't get any flack. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, actually, in the Bible, there's, there's a verse in there in um, Deuteronomy about false prophets. You know, they were to be stoned. So I just want to say that I don't have the gift of prophecy. <laughs> I am not a prophet. <laughs> I'm not even a son of a prophet. My dad was an evangelist. Um, and, and if that's not enough, um, a lot of my life I've worked for non-profit organisations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just saying, eh? So, so grow, growing up, you know, I, um, I, I sort of thought and looked at the Bible as, as this rule book, as this instruction manual, how to live life from God. Follow the right instructions and out will pop a good Christian. Um, but, you know, we, we sung, you stepped into my Egypt and, you know, you're taking me into the promised land. And so, you know, you, you have this idea, and I've, when I was being brought up, I was talking, you know, Egypt, Egypt is where you were. Egypt's the world. And you move from out of the world into God's land and God's promises and God's purposes. And, and so Egypt in the Bible is, is portrayed in negative terms. Um, and so, you know, they hear all these messages and these sermons about, you know, you know well, you know, don't, don't look back or don't go back to Egypt and things like that. But, you know, throughout my study, sometimes you come across things that run counter to that. And you see other voices and other opinions and other ideas within the Bible. And they, and they go, well, how does that work? Um, you know, Jesus went to Egypt for sanctuary for, for security to flee from what was happening in Israel. Um, and, and in Isaiah we read um, this verse that, that uh, there's going to be a highway from Egypt to Assyria and, um, and it says in that day Israel will be the third along with Egypt and Assyria a blessing on the earth. 
the Lord Almighty will bless him, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, my handiwork, and Israel, my inheritance. And so covenantal terms that have been used exclusively for Israel are now being used for Egypt and Assyria. And that, that sort of like blew my mind. And I'm going, oh, you know, there are these other verses and these other things. That, so how, 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 do, well, how do I look at it? How, how, do I, how do I make it all work together? Because going through life, you know, I've made bad decisions based on Bible verses. And I'm sure you've known other people that have, you know, justified their bad decisions by a Bible verse. Or, or you, you, someone's quoted a Bible verse to solve someone's problems. And, and sometimes, sorry, um, sometimes that can be really comforting for a person. But other times that can be quite hurtful and not helpful at all. So how do you use this book and what is it? And so, so for me, there's been this journey of progressing um, and it came to a point where, okay, I, I thought, well, it needs to be interpreted within its context, within its culture, within its time. Um, but along with that was this idea even then that behind all the stories and behind, once you got on and behind all the culture and the time and stuff like that, you'll find these timeless principles that are unchanging. And over time, I found that didn't work. I still found issues. And, and I want to just sort of share briefly a little bit of, of that journey. Um, what, what I finally came to was I, I came to the point where I stopped trying to force the Bible to conform to the way that I expected it to behave. And started it to try and accept it as the way it really was the was the way not the way it really was but the way I really thought um, and, and so you know when we open the the, the Bible and read it we're, we're eavesdropping on this ancient spiritual journey it's recorded over a thousand year time span by different writers different personalities different times, different circumstances going on in their lives and for different reasons. And they're asking their own questions and they're expressing what they understand and see God to be who he is and what he's doing in their language and in the ideas that are familiar to them. And while those encounters with God are genuine and authentic and real, I don't see them working well for me as timeless instructions from God or about God but they do work as an inspired model for my own spiritual journey so I believe I, I respect the Bible when I just let it be what it is and I found that when I've done that and since I've been doing that I've been able to accept and respect my own spiritual journey you know my own sometimes uneven and unsettling path of learning who God is and how do I connect with him um, and so that's been a journey now I've loved the series we've just finished on prayer um, that was that was great and, and Lyndon shared the story about the corrupt judge if you if you know and, and in Israel in, in the um, Jewish culture the judge had to be a man that feared God that was one of the requirements of judges but he was a he was a judge that didn't fear God or man and then this widow, one of the most um, 
let's say, um, underprivileged in the, in the society of that time, um, comes before the judge with, with a request, and so he doesn't listen to her, and then she keeps on persevering and persevering, and finally he gives up and says, goodness, if I don't do what this woman wants, um, you know, I'm not, not going to get any peace. So he, he grants her thing. And, and the story is about teaching perseverance, coming before God and persevering before God in prayer. And God's going to respond to the way we persevere. And then, and then we have another, another verse that's not a story, but it's just a verse. It says, ask, seek, and knock. And the tense is behind it is ask and keep on asking, seek and keep on seeking, and knock and keep on knocking. And, and the door will be opened and the, you, you know, you'll get your answers. And it's a, teaching the same thing, persevere. Persevere in prayer. And we have all these things, that, lots and lots of things about prayer. Um, we're to ask in God's name. We've got to ask according to his will. Then we've got to believe that we receive it. And then we're not allowed to ask with any doubt in our lives. And the list goes on and on and on and on. So, so what does that mean? Do we, do we sort of try to fit them all together and go, well, I've got to do all of them to get God to respond to me? Um, or, you know, how do, we, how do we work out this? You know, Matthew... Matthew 18 says, um, verse 19, if there's two of you, if two of you agree on anything on earth, it'll be done for you, right? So, so if you get someone else to, to agree with you and then you do all the right things, you know, pray without, without um, doubting and believe and, um, in his name, and you know, is that going to work? But then Matthew 6 says, when you pray, go into your closet by yourself in secret. Um, and then then God will answer your prayer. So if I'm in my closet by myself in secret, how can I get someone else to agree with me? <laughs> you know, so, so, so it's, it's just not so simple. Um, maybe that verse is just for closet Christians. <laughs> how, do we, how do we merge it all together? Isaiah 65 says, before you call, I will answer. So... If God knows, even before I tell him what, he, what I want and he's prepared to ask me, why do I need to persevere and go on and on and on? Okay, so, so these are the, some of the issues and the things that we struggle with. Um, how do we make sense of it all? Are they all true? Yeah, I believe definitely. They're all true. But we have problems if we go, it's just a rules, you know, it's a set of rules or it's a set of instructions. There, we have issues with this. And this is really made clear in Proverbs. Proverbs 26 verse 4 says this, Do not answer fools according to their folly, or you'll be a fool yourself. Okay, really, really simple, straightforward. Don't get into an argument with a moron, or you're going to come down to their level, right? <laughs> Okay, the very next verse says, answer fools according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. Okay, it says, it says you've got to engage in argument with morons to keep them in their place. So which one? What, what do we do? You know, the Bible can be frustrating at times. It's like, oh, I just want it to tell me nice and simple, this is what you've got to do, and it's straightforward, and, you know, black and white, but it doesn't work that way. It's not that kind of book. And, and, and Proverbs doesn't tell its readers what to do 
because it's teaching wisdom. And, and wisdom's not about finding a quick, easy answer or key to life. It's about how to learn to work through the unpredictable, the uncontrollable messiness of life so you can figure out things on your own and in real time. So both those proverbs are good and wise and right. And the question is, is not which one or how do I work them both together so it makes sense. It, 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 it's when. When do I apply that one? and When do I apply the other one into my life? And that will depend on what situation I find myself in. So, um, some other little little examples. We we have some. There's some laws in the Bible, and there are some straightforward instructions. But, but we, you know, you go to you go to Exodus, and I ask this question: Can Israelites keep fellow Israelites as slaves? What does the Bible have to say about that? So you go into Exodus, and it says. Yes, they can. But the males, after six years, are allowed to have the right to choose to go free. So the male slave can choose to be, yeah, I'm, um, I can go free, or else I can become a bond slave to, to my servant forever. And, and so, yeah, simple, straightforward. But then if you go to Deuteronomy, it says, yes, but both male and female slaves have the option of freedom. So in Exodus, it doesn't talk about the females. So you go, okay, well, maybe it's just missed it out, but it still implies that, you know, like let's just merit, you know, merge them all together and make it work. But then if you go to Leviticus, it says, hey, no way. No way. Israelites are not ever to be enslaved to each other. He goes, remember, you were once slaves in Egypt. So don't make them work as slaves. That's what foreigners were for. <laughs> and so, so you see, this is more of a spiritual journey they're on. And things change over time in periods of their understanding and their progression of who God is and what he requires. You know, if we ask today, what's God's will about slavery? We'll go, well, God's against slavery. You know, and, and yet, you know, so, so it's just not so simple to go in and point to a verse and go, that's what God says and that's it. And so, you know, let's sign off on that and get on with our life. Um, so, so the book of Chronicles is, is um, it, Chronicle means the things left over. And in the Hebrew Bible, it was the last, the last book in the Bible. But Chronicles reflects exactly the same time frame as Samuel's and, and King's. And um, so in our, in our English Bible, Chronicles and Kings is put next, next door to each other. They, they follow each other. And on the surface, they look very much the same, very much alike. If you read one, you think you're reading you know, the other one. But there are some very um, interesting differences between them. And they, they were intentionally crafted to give a very different take on Israel's past. So they've written at um, totally different times to answer different questions. So Samuel and Kings was written when the, the Israelites were taken into exile in Babylon, and um, 
the question that they're asking is, how do we end up in Babylon? You know, why are we in exile when, when God, we thought God was going to stick with us? You know, like, um, and, and so they're, 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 what, they're, what they're saying is that we weren't faithful to God's covenant. And so this is the result of our unfaithfulness. But when we come to Chronicles, this is like 200 years later when the book was written, and the people are back in the land again. But, you know, the, the, the glory of God hasn't returned. They're still in slavery. They're still impressed. And, and their questions are, you know, what do we do to deserve this? Is God still our God? You know, and, and so it's a book for comfort. And so it has, a, it has about um, a resto, it has a whole idea behind it of restoration rather than the other one was more like you broke your covenant, this is why. And so when you read Kings, you have a very negative view on Kings. And, and, the, and the book of Kings talks about the northern kings and the, and the southern kings, the Israelite kings and the Judean kings. Um, when you go to Chronicles, it's only Judah, Judean kings. And that's because by that time, the north had gone off into exile and were a long-distance memory. So, you know, it's like, who are they? Um, and the viewpoint on the kings are very, very positive in Chronicles, but in, in the king's story, they, they bring out all the failings and the, and the sins and the wrongdoings of all the kings. It's telling a different story for a different perspective. Um, and, and so what, what are, where I'm getting to, sorry, bear with me. Um, so, so, so they... Um, there's a part within that story where Nathan comes and I'm trying to try and find it here. And um, God makes this promise to David. And he says, David, your house and your kingship will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. So that means David's dynasty, his, his household, you know, like who he was. And the word forever in the Hebrew scriptures doesn't mean it forever like we mean in, in you know, eternity um, for us in English. It, it means just for a long time. So your throne and your dynasty will endure for a long time. Um, but when we come to the, exactly the same story in Chronicles, it changes some of the words. And it doesn't say your kingship, David. It says my kingship, my throne will endure forever. So is, is that important? Yes, it is. Because David's throne has gone. And David's, you know, his lineage is, 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 is finished at that point. So the people are looking back and going, what does that mean for us? Is God rid of me? Is he dumb for me? You know, are we being put on the shelf? And the writer says, no, because it's not really David's dynasty at all. It was God's dynasty. It's God's reign. It's his kingship. Times have been hard, and you don't have a son of David on the rightful throne. You don't have anyone on the throne. But, but don't get discouraged. Don't lose focus on the big picture. It's my throne, and I'm going to get it done in the future. And so it tells the story from a different perspective. And so this is what the Bible is. It, it's, this, it's these stories of people journeying with God. And, and so as I look at that, and you go, I can learn those lessons and as my own journey with God, as I walk with him, as I, you know, I, I then get inspiration and encouragement and help 
by looking and mapping with that journey with God. Now, I hope I haven't offended anyone in saying things like that. When we, when we get to the New Testament, right, Jesus says this thing. At, at the time of Jesus, um, when the Romans ruled, they had this law of the land that if a Roman soldier was walking with his pack and he came across anyone in the land, he, by law, could compel that person to take his pack and walk with him for a mile, right? And so Jesus uses that in his teachings, and he says, if someone compels with you to walk a mile with them, then go too. All right, now if we look at this as like instructions, rules, well then when Jesus returns and we've done that, what are we expecting to hear from him? Is he going to say to us, oh, you walked two miles with them. Well done, good and faithful servant. So, you know, if that's what you think, then you will tend to be seeing the Bible as a book of rules. But, but the second one is, is like, then we're just affirming more that Jesus came to teach us a way of life that's, di that's dictated by radical love rather than by strict rules. So, you know, it's like when he comes, maybe he would say to that person, you say walk two miles, but I say to you walk three. You know, it's about, it's about having that love, that radical love in our lives, that, that, you know, about living life in a way that I believe is pleasing with God. So, so, so just, uh, yeah, uh, so, so this, this book is, it's, um, here's, here's a, a picture, if you like. Um, when my son Caleb was a little boy, you know, he got up on the bench and he picked up a sharp knife. Now, oh, he's got a knife. Grab, quick, get it off him, you know, like he's going to cut himself. And then, yeah, don't you touch that, you know, like, like that's naughty. Keep away from it. And then a little bit later on, you know, you, you buy them one of those knives that are a little blunter and you, you can be up there and helping mum chopping the veggies or whatever, but the knife is blunt and you should show them how to use it and, you know, don't cut your fingers and things like that. Um, and then now it's like if he says to me, Dad, can I borrow your chainsaw? It's like, sure, but take the file and make sure the blades are real sharp before you use it, you know? It's like as you go through life, you go through these growth and these progressions, and the rules change. Um, my daughter, you know, when she's a little girl and she brought herself a, 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 a thing of Coke, it's like, it's like, hey, you can't drink all that. You know, you could only have one glass and save the rest for another day. Don't drink it all in one day. And then when she's 14, it's like, okay, you can have a sip of my wine. All right, no more, but one sip. And then now it's like, well, you're going to order yourself a black Russian. Tell the bartender, don't just skip, don't skimp on the vodka, okay? <laughs> it's like, it's like different stages, different rules. And, and so the Bible, by making us thinking, by thinking that it's a set of rules or instructions, we find that it doesn't work, it doesn't apply to all of our life. So it's a story, a story of God's people on their long, diverse, up-and-down spiritual journey. A story written by different people, different circumstances, different reasons, over a long time, separated not only by time, but geography and different personality types, 
And it's not going to be a consistent one-size-fits-all instructional manual that tells you in your own varied circumstances how to grow into a life of faith. It's, it's a book um, that shows us, rather, what a life of faith looks like. You know, as, as all good stories do, the Bible shapes and molds us by, by drawing us into its world. And it invites us to connect on many different levels, wherever we are on our own spiritual journey, and to see ourselves become better by its light, by stirring our own spiritual imagination to walk closer with God. Um, when we try, I believe, to squish it, or when I've tried to squish it, all those different voices that are there, that I've discovered there, into one voice, then, then I've, I'm, I don't believe I'm reading the Bible that I've actually got. Um, and, and, so, and so it shows how normal and expected it is for people, to be, people of faith to be part of that same process, that same spiritual journey of living, reflecting, growing. And in our understanding of our God, ourselves, our world, and our place in it. So I hope that's been helpful and encouraging um, to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for the way that you've revealed yourself to mankind down throughout the ages. We thank you for the record that we have of those revelations. We thank you that you continue to reveal yourself to us and that we can continue to encounter you and to grow in our knowledge and understanding of you. And this morning, Father, we just invite you by your Holy Spirit to come and, and just continue to reveal yourself to us. Continue to enlarge our minds and our concepts and grow us. Uh, more into the people you'd have us to be. Father, may we be a blessing to those around about us. In Jesus' name, amen.